You're listening to WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up Show starts right now. And welcome, welcome. Well, it's Monday. That means it is Fired Up time. Hi, this is Steve. I'm the host each week as we dive into the political machine here in the U.S., right here on WJMSRadio.com. Wishing each and every one of you a hearty welcome. Hope everybody has been staying safe and taking care of business in terms of protecting ourselves from the COVID virus and everything else is moving along. We're uh, surviving here, still in quarantine, and uh, we're going to talk about COVID today and not just uh, the numbers as I do each week, uh, and we'll open up with the numbers in a second, but I really want to talk about what the coronavirus, COVID-19, has done to the political machine here in this country. So we'll get started with that. But first, as always, let's go through where we are in terms of the numbers. Well, we have crossed over 12.1 million cases of coronavirus, COVID-19, in the U.S. since the outset of the pandemic uh, at the beginning of the year. And we're now up to more than 256,000 people who have died from the disease. That's right. That's a quarter million people have died from this disease here in the United States. Um, and it, it really, you know, as we dig into this, uh, it really begs the question, you know, how, how many is too many? How many cases are too many cases? How many people who have have died? Uh, It's too many people who have died. And yes, you can you can say the argument that one is too many. But we've got a quarter of a million people who have died in this country due to COVID-19 in the past 10 months. And there doesn't seem to be any uh, end in sight, although there is hope with uh, some news on vaccines, which we'll get into in a minute. However, we're closing in on having 2,000 people a day uh, die from this disease. We have, in the last week, recorded more than 1 million new cases uh, in in the United States, and there are more than 85,000 people uh, in the hospital uh, fighting the COVID disease. This pandemic has literally taken over this country. Uh, It has impacted drastically our economy. Uh, We have, you know, 12 to 14 million people who are out of work and have still been out of work. Um, And and some for as long as, you know, seven, eight, nine months or more due to the, the COVID disease. We have, you know, schools that are shut down. The school system in the city of New York with over 1 million students uh, has had to shut down and go to 100% virtual learning uh, because of the outbreak of COVID in the school systems. The nursing home population has seen you know, infection rates uh, upwards of 25 and 30% across the country. Um, you know, speaking to, to personal experience, you know, um, as as you may know, my father is in an assisted living home and they've had just in his single uh, residence facility, they've had more than 28 cases of COVID-19 uh, in their their population. 
and eight of the uh, workers there have tested positive for COVID-19. And this scenario is being replicated all across this country. Uh, you, can, you can talk about any one of a number of various uh, industries, uh, but you know, some of the, the most glaring include, as I just said, the nursing home populations where the, the residents are among the most vulnerable to the pandemic. Uh, the same thing can be said in the prison population. In some prisons, and I've seen uh, reports and numbers from prisons in uh, the center of the country and, and the Midwest and out in the West Coast, they're as high as 75% infected rate within the prison. So, you know, this, this pandemic, no matter you know, what the rhetoric you hear out there, this pandemic is, number one, uh, still a long way from being under control. Two, uh, it is continuing to spread, uh, and there are a lot of people in this country who are actually, you know, contributing to that spread, and we're going to talk about that as well uh, in this segment. Um, but I wanted to go back to my original question. So, how many is too many? You know, I, I've said before on the show that this is not a Republican problem. This is not a Democratic problem. This is not a red state, blue state problem. This is an American problem, and it needs an American solution. We all need to be pulling in the same direction uh, and, and doing everything we can to combat the spread of this pandemic. Um, you know, and the, the, the rhetoric that we hear, uh, whether it's coming from you know, the administration uh, whether it's coming from the White House or from the Senate or from the House, uh, this is not a blue state problem, much as they would like you to believe that the blue states, the democratically controlled states, are the ones where the virus is creating, you know, the the havoc. In true fact, over the last, uh, you know, eight weeks, two months or more, uh, the largest share of spiking cases has actually been in those states that are uh, actually controlled, run, and heavily populated on the Republican side. So, you know, while I say it's not a red problem or a blue problem, the rhetoric of saying that it's one or the other is just plain incorrect. This is an American problem. This is impacting this country from shore to shore, from border to border, and it does not look like uh, there is any real short-term uh, fix for this. Now, having said that, within the past uh, 10 days, we've had news of uh, two virus uh, treatments, two vaccines uh, that are being brought out into the marketplace, uh, one from Pfizer and one from Moderna. And both of these vaccines uh, have been tested, they've gone through their clinical trials, they've gone through their phase one, two, and three trials, and are, by the time this show is broadcast, um, one of the viruses will already have received uh, FDA emergency use authorization, and the Pfizer virus has already been approved for that, and the Moderna virus is expected to be approved for uh, FDA emergency use authorization uh, within a day or two uh, this week. So that is extremely good news. Um, soon there will be available vaccines 
that have been proven more than 95% effective uh, for both of them in combating the symptoms of this illness. Put that into perspective. The most popular vaccine, uh, or, or the most uh, powerful vaccine, rather, uh, has been the vaccine for measles, which is at 88% uh, efficiency or efficacy, as, as the medical people tell us. And the flu vaccine, which is widely used, uh, widely available, uh, is between, depending on which company and, and which type, runs between about 55 and 65 percent uh, efficacy. That is, it, it is you know, 55 to 65 percent effective uh, on the populations that it treats. So we have two vaccines that have been brought forward in absolute record time. Uh, you got to keep in mind that the time frame uh, in normal situations for a vaccine to come to market uh, is measured in terms of years. Uh, these two vaccines were actually brought forward in the span of uh, a little bit more than 10 months. So, you know, absolutely kudos to the scientists, researchers, the labs, uh, the people who volunteered to be the test subjects and all of that in helping us get this vaccine ready to be, you know, mass distributed over the coming months. So, you know, this vaccine is, is rated at 95% efficacy, 95% effective. And that is huge. Uh, what that means is that uh, the overwhelming majority of people who receive this vaccine, uh, it is going to have a positive effect on them. Now, as far as, you know, distribution, uh, from what we've heard of plans, uh, there are already some uh, 20 to 30 million doses of the vaccines that have been produced uh, and within 24 hours, according to the uh, FDA director, uh, they will be opened up and available to the, the first round of people who will receive these vaccines, notably first responders, um, you know, people who are in, in the most at-risk category, uh, and then as time rolls on over the coming months, uh, more and more of the doses will be made available and a broader population segment will be able to line up and get their COVID shots. Now, the vaccine requires two doses, uh, roughly about three weeks apart. Uh, so, you know, it will be you know, uh, ongoing when you, you hear numbers such as, you know, they've got 30 million doses. Uh, effectively, they're saying that would treat about 15 million people. Now, you can do the math and say that, you know, a lot more doses need to be produced if we're going to be, you know, issuing a vaccine that is ostensibly available to 340-something million people here in the United States. But again, given the time frame, given the amount of time that it has taken to come forward with uh, what appears to be a safe and very effective vaccine uh, that is ready for mass production and mass distribution uh, is, is really uh, in the category of miracles. But, you know, as I've said before on the show, the, this, this pandemic, this virus, has uh, really exposed and, and laid bare uh, many of the problems that exist 
in our country in terms of politics and in terms of equality and in terms of you know just our our overall care for one another um, we have seen and and I have said before that you know this is not a Democrat problem this is not a Republican problem however at the present time and and still now even though we're past the election uh, the Republicans are in control of the White House and they are in control of the Senate. They're in control of two thirds of the government structure. And we have, you know, 12 million cases and a quarter million people who have died essentially on their watch. Now, Democrats, you don't get off the hook that easy either. Um, there are I, there continue to be a lot of things that the Democrats could have done over the weeks and could do going forward to move the needle on getting, you know, this problem moving back on track toward its resolution. Um, there's still the problem of, you know, so many people being out of work and the economic impact, not only to small businesses with the number of businesses that have had to shut down due to the pandemic and the number that will likely not be able to reopen ever uh, because of the economic impacts that it had on their business. Um, this is clearly something that our political leaders should have addressed and should have continued to address. What have we had? The last stimulus check, as I've said before, came out in March. Uh, there have been multiple proposals going back and forth from both sides. And there is this, this brinksmanship game of chickens that the, the, the House Democrats and the, the Senate Republicans and and the others have been battling back and forth we've had umpteen times where we've seen either you know the the speaker of the house or the leader of the senate uh pointing fingers at each other saying they're they're the problem they're why this isn't getting solved and that brings me to my first point here there's another player in this this game that's being played um, you know, in addition to the Republicans and in addition to the Democrats, the American people have been playing games, too. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is our politicians are expected to respond to our request, to what we want them to get done. And while we have seen, you know, tremendous outpouring of concern and, and protests and discussions and debates and, and news headlines and all on subjects like, you know, economic justice and racial justice and, you know, the never mind all of what we just completed going through or we're wrapping up with going through rather uh, with the election. Um, but what we have not seen is we have not seen a popular public out cry over response to the COVID situation. Um, we've seen people lined up outside the Supreme Court. We've seen people marching up and down the streets of Washington, D.C. and every major city in this country. But we have not seen a large gathering of the public in front of the Capitol building demanding that our representatives and our senators get off their butts and take action on getting the, the, the items needed 
to begin resolution of this problem moving. There are bills that have been created on both sides that would address the issues that the COVID pandemic has caused. And all we keep getting back and forth is, you know, their bill is too expensive. This bill doesn't cover enough things and so forth. Meanwhile, you've got entities such as the Problem Solvers Committee, which is 25 Democrats and 25 Republicans who have put together a comprehensive list of compromise solutions that both sides, again, it's bipartisan, that both sides uh, agree would go a long way to solving this problem. That proposal has largely been ignored uh, or tabled or, you know, just not considered as a viable solution. And that's a damn shame because it at least gives a common place to begin a substantive discussion. You know, I, I hear and I get the concerns that the economic solutions to this problem from, you know, payments out to families and, and individuals impacted through the loss of work to money for reopening our schools safely from for money for the states, for the, the measures that they're having to take money for first responders, for our police, our fire, for our nurses, our hospitals, and all of that, for PPE and ventilators and other treatments. Um, all of that is you know, critically important and needs to have been addressed. But there has been nothing done on any front of that other than rhetoric back and forth for at least six months. And that is unacceptable. So... You know, it, it falls on our laps as the, the citizens of this country to put down our, our partisan signs, to put down our partisan attitudes and say to our elected officials in one united voice, enough is enough. We want action. And we want it now. All right. Understand that there is a political you know, transition of power going on. But that doesn't give you a pass on getting your job done for what is absolutely a critical need in this country right now. So, you know, the, the, the things that, that just boggle the mind uh, is, you know, if these problems are as obvious and as critical as our leaders are telling us they are, then why isn't a solution to these problems forthcoming in any kind of expedited fashion? You know, and, you know, what could, what could be done? Well, Republicans uh, and, and for those who support the Republican Party in this country, the, the underlying thing, as I've said already, is this is not a partisan issue. If you care for this country as much as you profess to care for this country, then Republican, you need to be up in arms on getting the logjam broken and getting, you know, solutions moving forward so that the help can get to the people, to the institutions and to the entities and businesses and so forth that need it. That is your, that is your call to action. And Democrats, Democrats, uh, whether you're an elected official or if you're a citizen who you know, aligns and affiliates with the Democratic Party, 
you should be standing up, shouting out, and letting our government know that this is something that has to get done, that this is not a partisan issue, that your expectation should be to, you know, come to the table and stay there until a solution is worked out. Now, if we go back a few years, um, there was a, an effort put forth and it was called the sequester. And you can Google this and you'll find out that there was a bipartisan committee that was put together to specifically address the budget deficits. And what they came up with was a list of government entities that needed to be uh, restricted, cut back, or shut down in order to save money to balance the budget. And this went across the board from you know, defense spending to you know, spending across all departments and all areas. And it was very painful, but the, the point of it was it was necessary. Well, we need a similar effort with regard to our coronavirus battle. We need to sit down, put the ideas on the table, and come up with the definitive list of what is going to help our country get through this pandemic, uh, regardless of the fact that it is going to be painful, and it will be, regardless of the fact that everybody is not going to get everything that they want, um, and you know that it is going to be expensive. But the alternative is unthinkable. Right now, as I said, we've got a quarter million people who have died. Yes, we have vaccines on the way. By the time those are widely available, we could likely be looking at a half a million people who have died from this illness. And, you know, it, it, it goes without saying that, you know, that is, you know, absolutely a horrifying thought uh, and, you know, unacceptable for this country. Now, I could go through all of the, the things that you've heard and, you know, about how, you know, we could, we could shave that number back if 95% of the people would wear a mask. And we can get into the argument about those who choose to wear masks versus those that don't, those who choose to social distance versus those that don't, and so on and so forth. But truthfully, that's the conversation we've been having for the last eight months. And while it has been a little bit effective, it has not been anywhere near as effective as it could have been had we had higher participation. Um, the, the idea that the coming vaccines are going to be the magic bullet that helps us get over the hump on this uh, is, is, in all practicality, um, not totally realistic. Uh, yes, the vaccines are going to make more and more people, the people that take them, uh, are going to be immune to the disease. Now, you know, it remains to be seen if this is something that's going to need, you know, follow up uh, vaccinations, much like many of the vaccines we have now, there are boosters that you need to get periodically. Uh, we don't know just yet. Science hasn't given us those answers yet. Uh, but going forward, it is something that we'll deal with when that time comes. Uh, it, hopefully, and all things working toward, you know, a reasonable end uh, this will become just another annual routine that we go through like we do with flu shot so that at some point in the year, 
you know, everybody will be encouraged to go get your flu shot and to go get your, you know, COVID shot or your COVID booster uh, every year so that we maintain our immunity levels to the disease. But the end of the, the, the end of the day, the thing is this, there needs to be action taken. Republicans need to stand up and apply the necessary pressure to the White House to get off the dime to get done what needs to be what needs to be done. Democrats in the House, particularly, you guys control the funding. You guys control the purse strings for the government. You need to be looking at how you can leverage that control to get the Republicans and the Democrats to sit down at the table and you know debate in good faith toward a solution. You know, this has been done before, this type of approach. As I mentioned, the, the economic sequester that happened, you know, years ago. Uh, and, you know, there have been others, but it, it is doable. It is going to be painful, but it's absolutely necessary. So we're going we're gonna to continue this discussion on the other side of the break. Uh, coming up uh, is a public service announcement appropriate to... Uh, what we're going through. So please take a moment and listen to this public service announcement from your friends at WJMSRadio.com and the Fired Up Show. And we'll be right back after the break. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. And welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve. I'm your host each week. And we're picking up where we left off in the first segment and that is we were talking about uh, how we got to where we are and more importantly, why we are still at this point. What's holding back? What's keeping us from finding the solutions that we need? And as we said in the first segment, you know, there is uh, accountability that can be held to both the Democratic leadership and the Republican leadership. But the more important question is that there is also accountability that can be laid at the feet of the American people because we have not exercised our power to the extent that we have needed to uh, to move the needle on this. You know, our elected officials, whether it's local, you know, state or federal, are put into office by root of our voting for them. Basically, we tell them, you know, here is your job. This is what we want you to do. And we want to see you get this and that and the other thing accomplished. And, you know, for, for lack of a better term, we've let them off that hook to some extent. 
um, there isn't the you know national unified outcry from the American people to our leadership to say, look, stop effing around and resolve this issue. You have all the pieces you need. You have the components. You know what is needed. Uh, it is simply a matter of finding the appropriate language, sitting down and writing the bill and getting the damn thing signed. Uh, it, you know, what? what is the big issue? Well, what we see is that you know, both sides are playing the role that political power seems to be more important than public need. You know, and I've, I've mentioned this before in other subjects where, you know, American sentiment on a subject is overwhelmingly in, in favor one way or the other, and our political leaders vote something else entirely outside of that. Um, as we move forward into a new administration and a new party, we're going to need to make sure that that message is very strongly uh, enshrined in the operating guide for the politicians that we send to office. Uh, otherwise, we need to let them know that, you know, midterms are two years away and there can be more changes made. You know, so we've got to exercise our power. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like, as I said in the first segment, it looks like an increasing amount of very public, very visible, very vocal uh, public outcry over the lack of action that has been shown, you know, both in Washington and in the state capitals. I mean, we have governors of, you know, states in this country who, even though their states are seeing some of the highest COVID levels uh, since the outbreak of the pandemic almost a year ago, uh, and yet they are still not strongly encouraging uh, or mandating uh, or even suggesting that the basic elements of things that can be done by the public in order to control the spread of the pandemic, such as washing your hands, keeping your distance and, you know, wearing a mask, that they are soft peddling these items, even though the scientists shown us clearly that. You know, doing these simple things will, in fact, keep more people safe and keep more people from dying. You know, we have we've seen this this um, this response before. You know, after 9-11, there was a whole new realm of security uh, requirements that had to be faced uh, that were inconvenient. I mean, many of you, you know, myself included, can remember when you didn't have to take off your shoes in order to get on a plane where, you know, it didn't matter if your, your cologne or your bottle of shampoo was more than 3.4 ounces uh, in, your, in your luggage, you know, and, you know, all the other things that we have adapted to over time uh, in order so that we can be comfortably assured that the flying public is as safe as possible you know and you know we see the same thing now where we we get these individuals who are on a plane and refuse to wear a mask and then get all bent out of shape and irate and upset when the airlines enforce their rules and remove them from the flight and now all of a sudden they want to sue and there's all kind of youtube videos going out about it and facebook and you know Twitter and Instagrams and all of this, 
America, we have a responsibility just as much as our elected officials have a responsibility to do our part to keep us safe. And until we get accomplished at doing that, more people are going to die. And, you know, it, it again goes back to the first question of the show. How many is too many? When is enough enough? Um, so what else? You know, there, there are, are related things. As I've said before, the coronavirus, COVID-19, has worked its way into the fabric of our country and is affecting, you know, every element of our everyday lives. As we look now that we are post-election uh, 2020 and we look at what's going on with the, the transition, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to go into all of the, the, the stories and news and, and things that have been going on about, you know, the, the, the difficulties with the peaceful transfer of power and all of that. Um, the, the mainstream media and all the other social platforms are, are covering that you know, ad infinitum. So what I'm adding to the mix is to say that because of the impacts in the impasse between, you know, the outgoing president and the incoming administration, uh, actions and things that need to get done uh, in order for the incoming administration to be fully prepared to hit the ground running on day one and address and continue to address the the COVID-19 problem aren't happening. Now, kudos to the current administration. Uh, we have two vaccines that are coming out uh, during their time uh, in, in office. Uh, one was under Operation Warp Speed and one was not. But either way, they did manage to expedite through this process. And for that, we give them credit. Uh, and deserve it credit at that. But there's more than just getting these vaccines out to market. There is leadership elements that have not been done. You know, uh, and, and given that so many of the current administration officials have tested positive now for COVID-19, uh, up to and including the president and members of his family, uh, it, it, it boggles my mind that they are not putting more of an urgency and priority to doing the things and conveying the messages and setting the examples that would help us get this pandemic better under control as we await for the rollout of vaccines, which would be the next step in getting you know, this pandemic uh, into remission in this country and and have us return to something like what normal used to look like um you know there's there's a lot to be done yet with that you know there's still the the idea that you know it, it it's about leadership it's about setting the example you know it's about conveying that message once the vaccines are available uh, there have been studies and polls that have come out showing that 40, 42% of the American people uh, question whether or not they will take the vaccine. Um, now, that, that is a message that we see coming. And, you know, in, in, in terms of leadership, our elected officials should be out in front of that talking about the, the need for 
people to, to take the vaccine. Uh, the fact that it has gone through a well-documented, well-vetted process for safety. It has been tested on, on many tens of thousands of people. And as I said earlier, has shown a 95% effective rate in, in you know, eliminating the, the transmission and you know, reducing the impact of the pandemic in the human body. So all of the pieces are there for this vaccine to be the next step towards success that we need to take in this logical progression toward making this vaccine no more disruptive to our normal routine than the flu or the common cold is right now. So, you know, the, the, the marching orders that we need to give to our elected officials are, you know, clear. Look, you are going to need to convince those people who, you know, have, are, are skeptical about taking this vaccine that, you know, it, it has been, you know, tested and proven to be safe. Uh, research is ongoing and will continue to go on. But for right now, it shows a very strong, you know, effective rate. And that as part of our solution to this pandemic, we need to have as many people as possible to be vaccinated. We hear arguments from the other side all the time about how, you know, this vaccine is quote, like the flu, close quote, well, we need to treat it like the flu. We need to, to vaccinate against it like the flu. We need to, you know, be aware of, you know, what the implications are of not treating it. You know, yes, we have the flu under, you know, quote, relative, close quote, control. Uh, but yet, keep in mind, annually, the flu in this country kills between 30 and 50,000 people a year. Now, that's no small amount of people. However, take into account and lay that up against the fact that in 10 months of this year, five times that number of people have died from COVID. That means this disease, this pandemic, is much more deadly and much more out of control than the flu is in this country. You know, it, it is something we all need to do, just like when we fly, you know, everybody's got to take off your shoes, take your belts off, put all metal in the trays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because it's a response to the, the threat of, you know, airline terrorism. You know, this has become something that we do. You know, it is going to be, you know, just like that. Um, I've said before on this show, I'm old, I'm old enough to remember when cars didn't have seatbelts and the introduction of seatbelts to the automotive industry and the auto buying public raised you know, a lot of, of protest and complaints that look a lot like what we're seeing today about mask wearing and social distancing. But yet, you know, over time, seatbelt use became, you know, kind of the de facto standard of, you know, what what we all do when we get into a car. You wouldn't think of you know, putting your child in your car without putting them into a car seat or making sure that they're strapped in. So ultimately, we will get to the point where 
you won't think about letting your child you know, go out of the house without wearing their mask or going into the mall or the movie theater or a bar you know, or you know, going to a sporting event where you're not wearing your mask. It's just going to become part of our everyday lives. If you look around the world, you know, it, in, in places like um, the, the Asian countries, China, Japan, Korea, uh, those countries, their populations have been wearing masks in public for decades. Uh, it, it has been a common thing for you know, certain cultures around the world to wear a mask while they're out. The same thing can be said for you know, some countries in Africa and places in Europe where you know, for whatever public health reason, mask wearing is a standard and not an aberration. Well, America's going to have to get into that same mindset where if you're not wearing a mask when you leave home in the morning to, you know, get on the subway or get on the bus or, you know, or go shopping or whatever, it's going to become, you know, as regular as, as being dressed. You know, it's going to become part of your outfit. So I say that to say this. Our leaders need to step up. And to the extent that our leaders are not stepping up, then we as the American people, we need to make them step up. The way we do that is we exercise our voice with them just as we did in this past election and let it be known that this is what the people who hired you slash elected you into your job want to see you get done. Right. This isn't, you know, about a, a popularity contest. Um, this is about a public health crisis. And, you know, the longer that they keep dancing around the issue, the longer they keep playing games, both with us and with within their own parties and within the government. As long as these distractions, as long as these diversions, as long as these uh, rhetorical stone walls keep appearing, more people are going to die. And it, it, is, it is coming down to that. You know, and we have not, as the public, as the voting public, as the electorate, we are accountable to this just as much as our Democratic leaders, our Republican leaders are as well because we are not doing our job in holding their feet to the fire in order to get this done. You know, so, you know, to, to whatever extent we need to uh, get, you know, pressure applied to the Senate and to the House in order to get a compromise pulled together that addresses the, the medical, the social, the economic uh, needs uh, created by this pandemic, um, that needs to happen, and it's up to us to make it happen. You know, we, we have allowed our politicians to try and resolve this issue on their own far too long. It is now time for us to stand up, make our voices heard, and let them know in no uncertain terms that, you know, enough is enough. We need you to act. We expect you to act. We want you to act. You will act or we will replace you. So, you know, that message needs to start to be communicated. We need to see, you know, gatherings of people outside the Senate 
building in Washington, D.C., and outside the respective state houses in all 50 states, red states or blue states, all American states. We need to see the people surrounding this house making that message heard loud and clear that we expect resolutions to this pandemic. We expect action. You know, we expect you guys to live up to your mandate, that is, to serve the people. We elected you. We can remove you. If you're not going to do what we are instructing you to do, then, you know, we will remember this when the next election rolls around. Um, you know, it's just that simple. You know, this, this game playing, th this, is, this is the worst of the games that our government plays with us. Because here, it's, it's not that we're talking about a program that's not going to get funded or a law that's going to get taken off the books or e even, you know, a, a group of votes that are going to be suppressed. The longer these politicians do not act, the more people that will die every day. Right now, we're averaging between seven and nine people every hour that are dying in this country. Never mind around the world. You know, but won't even get into the discussion of how America needs to set a leadership role in, in terms of combating this pandemic. We're actually well behind the curve uh, among all the countries of the world in terms of our response to coronavirus and where the, the virus is impacting our country. America is by far the, the largest share of infections and deaths on the planet, period, full stop. There's nobody even close. Okay, And even inside of America, there are a couple of states that actually have higher per capita death rates than most of the countries in the world. And particularly North Dakota and South Dakota are, you know, number one and number three in the world in terms of per capita uh, deaths from COVID. Just the state of North Dakota, just the state of South Dakota. And this from the country that is supposed to be the leader of the free world. You know, this is unacceptable. And more and more, we need to make our voices heard to let our elected officials know that we're tired of it, that we want it to stop, that we want them to do their damn job. And that is it. That's the expectation. Get off it. Get together. Get it solved. Get it signed and let's get it done. That's the message that we need to be getting to our elected officials. And we need to be applying that pressure, not just in Washington, D.C. I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. You know, the, the states have a primary role in the defense against this, this coronavirus. They, each of the states is where the rubber meets the road in terms of the actions that are taking. The federal government is not you know, uh, uh, running the, the hospitals or running the testing uh, apparatus on a day-to-day -day basis. Their job is to set overall guidance. Their job is to provide support to the states and serve as a backstop for supplies and materials and resources. Uh, but they 
rely on the individual states to do the day-to-day work of you know taking care of the people who have the illness as well as doing everything they can to prevent additional people from getting the illness so it is you know it is up to each of us to communicate that message all up and down the line you know from your your city councils to your school boards to your mayors to your state representatives to your state senators to your governors all right that our wish is for them to stop playing these games um, move forward with whatever we need to move forward with uh, as we go through the transition from one government to another um, and you know let's get our work on coronavirus rolling let's get it moving okay so you know whether it's you know communicating at the federal level uh, with regard to uh, getting the government service administration to you know authorize the transition of power documents that are needed for the incoming administration to get the advice and training and materials and information they need to continue the battle against this virus all the way down to our mayors and city councils about you know getting things in place to allow us to as best we can you know open up our our economies begin to safely do things that can can help people and bring back jobs you know to do what we can to try and get schools open as safely as possible you know and and to take the actions we need them to take as as i was thinking about this one of the things and it ties back to you know the the conditions we have uh become accustomed to since 9-11 is, you know, one of these things is the threat assessment level, you know, and, you know, we, we haven't heard any, any announcement out about that in a long time, knock on wood, um, because the government has done an effective job at identifying and stopping, you know, potential terror threats uh, before they, they get to these shores. But, we have a system in place that allows the government to issue a condition alert uh, with regard to the state of uh, potential terror threats. Maybe what we need is to, you know, initialize a similar thing that can be done, you know, at the state and county level in terms of, you know, pandemic response that we have, you know, a, a, a green level, which means very low spread of the virus and, you know, uh, reasonable options can be exercised to reopen businesses and so forth, all the way up the severity chain to whatever the highest level is where everything, uh, you know, might need to be shut down. So, you know, there, there's a response that we can put in place that would allow us to effectively address where we are down to the to the local to the county and even local level uh, with regard to the pandemic threat just some food for thought maybe something to present to your political leaders as a suggestion to say you know in addition to what we need to do uh, in terms of helping the people uh, maybe we need to take a page from you know the the terror threat playbook and institute, you know, threat level conditions for the pandemic. 
So, you know, that's, that's going to do it for this week. If you have comments or questions or suggestions, please send an email to firedupradio at yahoo.com. Um, don't forget to check out my Facebook page at firedupradio on facebook.com. I will post some information and links uh, regarding, you know, what we're talking about and, you know, some information links on the coronavirus and what we can do. And, you know, just everybody needs to step up. So we're also, it would be remiss if I didn't extend out a, a first greeting and, and thoughts for a happy and safe holiday season. Thanksgiving is coming up on Thursday and, you know, we're in the holiday season. So whether it's, you know, Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, um, New Year's, you know, whatever the holidays that you celebrate, I hope that they are safe. I hope that you exercise all necessary precautions and, you know, keep your family safe, you know, avoid large groups, etc. Wear your mask, wash your hands, and everybody just take care and be safe. And we will talk again in seven days. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMS Radio. This is Steve. I'll talk to you again in seven days. message wherever you stand I'm calling every woman calling every man we're the generation we can't afford to wait the future started yesterday and we're already late